This episode is brought to you by our friends at Mongoose. Mongoose is dedicated to being a bridge for higher education between schools and constituents. With a focus on conversational marketing software, Mongoose takes great pride in offering both the knowledge and the tools to help higher ed engage, motivate, and grow individuals and communities. They've got two exceptional products that help folks do just that. The first one is Cadence, higher education's premier texting platform. Mongoose Cadence allows staff to efficiently reach students in their preferred daily communication channel, which is texting. Whether sending a message to a single student or a large list, the platform facilitates timely, meaningful conversations that inspire action. Harmony. Mongoose Harmony is an intelligent chatbot that effortlessly guides visitors to the right content, captures lead information, and simultaneously updates any systems integrated with that chatbot, and routes visitors to the appropriate staff when a human is needed. Students and alumni visit a school's website because they want quick information. Conversational marketing through chatbots allows you to efficiently answer questions and keep constituents engaged at the peak of their interest in your institution. To learn more about Mongoose offerings, head on over to mongooseresearch.com forward slash Enrollify. And fun fact, you'll be able to engage with a chatbot on that page. Again, it's mongooseresearch.com forward slash Enrollify. Welcome to Fanatical Fridays, a weekly podcast where I sit down with Mickey Baines, a principal at Kennedy & Company, which is a higher education consulting firm, to discuss the traits, the strategies, and the tactics that separate the best enrollment management teams from the rest of the pack. I'm Zach Buzicruz, founder here at Enrollify. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello. How you doing, Mickey? Another week. Um, you know, we I, it's hard to believe, but um, you know, we are on the later end, maybe, or almost. We're halfway through spring. Let's put it that way. And what? And no. Based on my weather here in Pennsylvania um, this week, uh, especially yesterday, um, the hint of summer is there. Uh, I. You know, it was, it was in the mid '80s, uh, maybe even upper '80s yesterday. It just, you know, that's that's late June weather for us, uh, not April. I uh, I I went on a run yesterday morning, and it was like the first morning where you walk outside and you you immediately you're just hit with humidity, and you're like, uh oh, it's coming, uh, it is yeah. coming. Like it's it's summer is just around the corner, um, which was which was I have to admit like. I I was a little bit excited. I was I was more excited than I than I thought I would be. Um, I I don't like humidity at all, and I've been in California for you know uh, the past couple months where there is no humidity, which is amazing. But there was something especially special about being hit with that wave and you know remembering that we're just a couple months away from the beach. So. Um, <laughs> So that, where, that's where, where I'm at. whereabouts are you now? Where so I you? I actually I am back in our HQ for just uh, just until next week. Uh, we had a couple of our first uh, actually team gatherings in you know well over a year, which um, we did in a you know very safe uh, way as you know safe as 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 we could and um, just did a bunch of collaboration bunch of like brainstorming outside I mean it was a very like well done I props off to my team for for planning it um, and it was just a, a very very good 
week to kind of be with people again and um, share ideas and actually use a whiteboard for the first time in a long time. So um, <laughs> you mean one of those things, you mean the ones that are like on the wall? Yes, whiteboard? We, we actually like use the whiteboard wall. Uh, yeah, the real wall. Yeah. <laughs> Um, not, we weren't using Microsoft paint to try to like mock things up and communicate <laughs> ideas, which is what we were doing previously. Uh, so, um, yeah, digital whiteboards, I like they're, they're around and there are a couple of them that I've tested out, but like, I don't know the the tech isn't, isn't quite there yet. Um, at least I haven't found a good one. So, uh, that was good. That was, uh, you good. know, have you used the uh, whiteboard in zoom? I have, and it's okay. It's just not. Yeah. It's not as easy as I feel like it should be. Like I'm like when I'm in designing something in Canva or I use Figma sometimes to communicate with our yep. designers. And honestly, it's like I, I really enjoy like that's super, super easy. I want I want a Figma or a, I want a Canva for like really rough whiteboard mockups. And I don't feel like okay. Zoom's feature is quite there yet. For but, that purpose, maybe. I yeah. see. I, see. I, I have uh, I had I there was one person and I, I honestly I don't remember his name. Um, that I've been on with in the past year that used it. Uh, and it was the best whiteboarding exercise I've ever seen. Like, obviously this is a person who has whiteboarded on zoom for a long period of time. It's not like he pulled up. So let me just try that. No, yeah. this is the way he's done it, but it was just a very, very well done exercise. Um, and so I know if you plan and train, uh, you can facilitate well with it. Now, you know, whiteboarding a design might be a little different than whiteboarding a conversation and a workflow. Sure, sure. Um, but um, but so so I know it can be done well um, digitally. Um, so I, I just you know it's not my native and natural style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. Um, but anyways, yeah, so I'm back in I'm back here until next week and then I will head back to California and keep keep on driving. Um and then go from there. So we will see. Next time we record actually I I I, I haven't bought my ticket yet, so there's a chance I'll still be here next uh next time we record. But um otherwise I might be in the Pacific Northwest. So we're gonna head up through Portland, um, well I guess through the rest of California, then into Portland, Oregon then up to seattle and then Ooh, have you heard of um is it is it bainbridge island uh right off the coast off the coast ish of um of seattle i don't think it's actually the coast it's like a lake i don't know i i my geography is is not is not good <laughs> I've, but i've it, not i only know a little bit more north uh vancouver's um i'm just i don't know why i'm more oh, familiar with it but just slightly more okay so um, i have south. been to bellevue washington which you know is pretty far north but that would be as close really as i so i just I did a, a wikipedia google and um it's basically like a massive lake um it looks like a massive 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 lake um but basically it's uh right it's about an hour i guess west of uh of seattle anyways there's a beautiful island there called bainbridge island and um they've been there are some cool airbnbs there so we're our goal is to get there and at least uh you know take a couple days and just enjoy it without working so we will see we'll see if we're able to make it but um good luck yeah we'll see um all right so we got a fair amount of things to talk about today we kind of want to focus our conversation on data and really talking about in in the spirit of folks especially this time of year 
trying to personalize communications, trying to do everything that they can to be different, to stand out, to communicate to prospective students, uh, applicants, folks that are still trying to make that final decision in as personalized uh, of a way as possible. Um, it's important to understand sort of like, right, what data points you need or what data points you can use to effectively do that. So Mickey, this was your idea uh, and really what you really wanted to kind of uh, frame today's conversation around data points that can help you personalize your communications. Um, so how do you want to start this? Like what's on your mind? Well, it's a conversation that I've had. Um, I'm having like twice a week right now. Um, with prospective clients, current clients, um, maybe we're just in the throes of a lot of marketing communication implementations uh, and some strategy that goes along with that. Um, but either way, it's a, it's a topic that seems to really come up and, and whether you are looking at doing this at a 101 level or a 401 level, uh, at the end of the day, it's some form of personalization. Uh, and I thought maybe we could just riff for a bit back and forth and talk about um, hyper-focus this conversation to say, let's just talk, let's talk some data points that you can use to deeper personalize your conversation. Uh, and, and if we can maybe identify two or three we can share, uh, maybe four or five that we can share. And then also, because the other thing that comes up with this conversation, because I talk with the clients and they have some good ideas and we have some good ideas of ways to personalize it. But the other thing that really where it gets to be tricky is, okay, if we had this piece of information, we could really tailor a conversation with them. Well, okay, when are we going to get that piece of information? Hmm. Because if you want to do it to nurture someone to apply, but you don't get it that type of data until they actually fill out the application, that's kind of hard to do. So we have to potentially take data you might normally collect on an application and find a way to get it earlier. And so if we can maybe just, let's just brainstorm and come up with some things that schools can use to better personalize. And then let's talk a little bit about how we can bring, again, this is brainstorming. Yeah. Um, I don't have a script here. Let's brainstorm. How can we modify our efforts to get that data earlier? Because the answer is not, well, let's just add more fields to our inquiry form. Yeah. Wrong answer. Yep. Um, so how else aside from that, can we go about that? Yeah, that, that would be my um, hope and goal. I love it. I love it. That makes a lot of sense. Well, one thing that just comes immediately to mind for me is assuming uh, folks are using a CRM that enables them to once a contact is known, right, once you've got that email address or whatever the unique ID is for a contact, and that's connected to a prospective student's uh, browser, being able to look and, and sort of segment data based off of con, uh, the actual pages that they're that their uh, a user is visiting regularly on your website, on and being mm-hmm. able to sort of like differentiate between who are the folks that um you know keep hitting that financial aid page versus who's you know, who keeps hitting the athletics page right versus who's keeps you know who's checking out sort of our our faculty page and basically write some simple query that says, you know, take everyone that has visited these, uh, our admissions page, uh, 25 or more times in the past three days and throw them into a list and then contrast that with folks who have done the same thing on the athletics pages, uh, and, or, you know, uh, student life pages, whatever it might be. And then, uh, look at that and say, oh, okay. You know, is there sort of a, a, a fair amount of overlap between these lists or, or not? And I, what I would do is I would go and find the folks that are heavy on on one list, their activity is very heavy in sort of the um, 
the uh, financial aid front, and then I would go about texting, emailing them uh, specifically about, hey, did you know these are some, there are some last minute scholarship opportunities here. Hey, if you want to have one more conversation about how, you know, uh, to interpret sort of your aid offer, I'm happy to get on the phone and chat, or we could, you know, we could just, we could just text here and then do something similar for folks who have spent more of their, you know, digital time scrolling through and, and bouncing around your site pages that focus on other aspects of sort of the student experience. So that's that's one idea off the bat. What do you think about that? Uh, yes. Um, no, that's going to require you, a lot of schools to have technology they don't have. That's not a problem. Uh, sure. You know, you know, but most of your standard technology doesn't always come with that. I know you work a lot with HubSpot. Definitely a tool that does that. Uh, to an extent, Pardot can do some of that. Uh, and there are other tools out there that can definitely begin to track that. Uh, and that gives you a wealth of data yeah. uh, to help understand what folks are interested in. Because you know, if we're going to talk about personalization, that a lot of that is understanding not just who the person is, but what that person's interested in. Yeah. Uh, and that data certainly will help that. You know, one of the gaps I find, um, if I look at what businesses do and what higher ed does, one of the the gaps I find. Is that, you know, in higher ed, um, in, in most cases, this certainly is not representative of, of all institutions, but in most cases, you inquire, you may uh, fill out a form for to attend an event and you apply, but there aren't other offers, using the business marketing term, um, in between there for you to provide more information to get something in return, right? Sure, sure. Um, and, and that, to me, is one way to get data earlier, uh, you referenced, you know, finding someone on the uh, financial aid or scholarship pages and having that data. You know, I've, I've worked with the school to create a, a scholarship list and, and let students sign up um, to receive information about new scholarships or deadlines for scholarships. Hmm. And then in that scenario, it's almost like an application of sorts. You can ask a lot of data, so that, ask a lot of information and collect data to help understand what someone's potential um, interest of scholarship are. So, you know, if you are a non-traditional student, that's a single parent, um, are you affiliated with a particular uh, church? Um, you know, are you a veteran or a spouse or dependent of a veteran, yeah. you know, things like that, you can start together. And then that allows you, of course, to personalize that information. Um, and you're getting that information from someone and in return, providing them something back. And that's really the key. If you're going to get information outside of those standard ways, and you're going to ask for it, what will you get in return? Yeah. Could you potentially ask some questions like that for an event? So something you're already doing without having to create new collateral. Yes. And that might buy you time to go create more collateral so that you have something else to offer in exchange for some of that additional information. I think that's always incredibly important um, to, to know and understand. So, you know, when I think of that, those web pages as you're referencing that, those are some of the other things that that come to my mind yeah. um, for that. Have you worked with other schools on other types of, I don't know, I don't have another term for, for offers or things that the, they might be um, having available that might open the door for forms to be yeah. submitted and collect more data? Yeah, no, it's, it's funny that you're talking about this because um, I'm actually working with a school right now and they've got this very beautiful, well, sorry, the tool is not beautiful. It, the tool <laughs> is powerful. It is not uh, It is not easy to interact with, um, nor is it. Nor does it sort of deliver any sort of UX experience that you want to write home about. But what the tool offers is you can drill down and you can say like, hey, 
show me the job titles that folks who studied business uh, that majored in business administration at your at your college or university um, uh, received sort of in their first year after school versus their their fifth year after school. So they've got this like pretty like robust. Uh, data set that it basically lets you filter and you can't do this by every program it's de- it's definitely more of like the the more popular majors and programs but what's super cool about this is i can see if i if i'm a prospective student and i'm thinking about studying business at at this particular university i can go in and i can see oh wow like from an outcome standpoint after you know graduation uh 35% of these of these graduates got a title with uh their first their first job outside of school included the title like manager, right? Or, um, you know, associate salesperson or whatever it might be. Um, and then you can actually also see salesperson, (laughs) AKA, yeah, the The glamorous title, the intern. Um, but, uh, but no, but then, but then you can also sort of see the companies that they worked at immediately after school and then five years out of school. And again, I I don't know sort of the back end of this data set at all, but what was was really, really neat is you can see, okay, here's what people are doing immediately after graduation. And then in five years from now, these are the, the sorts of titles that people are are getting in their various jobs and the companies that they're working for. And obviously there's there's typically, depending on the major and program, right? Some um, some some you start recognizing like name brands five years out, whereas immediately after you're, you know, looking at some mom and pop shops typically. Um, now, obviously, I'm talking mostly about business at this at this particular juncture because the school that we're working with is, is a business school. But um, to answer your question, I this tool again is very very powerful, but you have to wait like you know five minutes for it to load. I mean, it's just like it's it's terrible. So what I uh, talked to our client about, it, I said, hey, what if we did this? Could we find a way to just extract right like the top 15, 25 results, whatever it might be per major per program, and could we literally just throw this into a simple downloadable ebook, almost just like a, a brochure where I we, you can go and you can say, hey, if you want to see the job titles and the places that people are working one year and five year out after studying the business major program, click this link, right? And then you could click it and then they could just, rather than having to sort through the tool themselves, they could just see sort of an aggregate of like, here are the, here are the job titles, here are the companies. I and, and that content is stuff that they already have. Like even, even if they wanted to do this like really, really lo-fi and just take screenshots of the results and throw it into a PDF, like that would even work. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously it'd be nice to apply a little bit of like design to it to make it a little bit more attractive. But anyways, that is a great example of something that is super, super easy to do. You already have the information, you already have the data, and being able to like package that and bundle that a little bit differently and then offer it by major or by program, I mean, that that's exactly the kind of offer that I think we need right now in late April mm-hmm. um, before folks make their final decisions. Yep. So I, I had a, I had another um, idea to throw out there. Now this is not for for timely for April. This is more in the fall, um, and more geared towards traditional uh, programs, traditional undergraduate programs. But uh, you know, and 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 you know, we talk many weeks, and you will you will say things like um, about you know you know the 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 rare number of schools that would be interested in certain tactics that, that you throw out and, and how to get other schools on board when it's when it's low hanging fruit. Sure. Well, this would be one of those. Um, can be low-hanging fruit, uh, at least in terms of um, being able to personalize an experience or understanding someone's interest in your institution. But it's probably one that schools might not jump on board to. But what if we offered something along the lines, hey, we, you know, we begin reviewing applications on this date, want to stay uh, up to date on, on what's happening. Um, 
click here for updates. Yeah. Hey, you get someone opting in for a special communication. You know that they're more interested um, because they want to know what's happening with your application process. Um, and it gives you just another avenue and another way to communicate. Uh, now, that would probably require some creative thought and collateral in terms of, and collateral, not nothing, you know, super fanciful here. We're just talking about some messages or, you know, it might be, um, um, ways to get them to connect with you more uh, on social because you can drive that conversation there or through text. If you're looking for good ways to opt in, uh, get people to opt in on text, there you go. Um, you know, you're, we're looking for some of those uh, opportunities and that allows them to do it. And then you can probably um, take that to even add in more content to see where they're clicking, which leads me to my next uh, point is, you know, um, if you want to personalize the experience, one of the ways to personalize experience, you mentioned looking at what they're hitting on, what they're viewing on web pages. Yeah. Well, let's look at what they're clicking on. Yeah. I mean, a lot of yeah. times that might be a web page, um, but let's look at what they're clicking on. And if they click on that, let's say it's for an event or to get them to apply, and yet they don't take the next step, you know, there's a piece of data. How do we use communication? Um, and this requires an ability in your communication tool to build workflows and have some logic. Did they do this step? Did they not? Um, and build some some branch logic and, and branch communications, but um, you know that's another path forward is to look at uh, you know how are we using someone's activity in other engagements, text and email, um, to build other campaigns. Well, and this is a you bring up a really good point because one of the things we talk to folks a lot about is like oftentimes when schools are sending these emails. Uh, and most most of more often than not, this happens within the context of like a traditional Comflow post inquiry or post app Comflow, whatever it might be, where there's there's like one offer in the email, like there's one button to click, right, which is like finish your application or apply now, typically. Um, and maybe they'll have like a PS line, like if you would like to chat with an admissions counselor, you can schedule a you know meeting with us here or something like that, right? But then beyond that, it's the emails like that. That's pretty much the real estate that the email offers. So you're basically giving mm -hmm. folks two options, right, to finish their application and or schedule time to talk with your admissions counselor. Um, exactly, which is great. Which, which is, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but. If, if you're not offering additional offers within the context of that email, it can be hard to differentiate and and personalize those communications further the next time around. And so if you if you're if there aren't like offers to, hey, view this student story or hey, download this career resource guide or hey, check out our student life center or whatever it might be, right? Um, then you don't know, you could actually be losing out on clicks because when I'm opening that, opening that email, I see that my two offers are to talk to somebody, which I don't like doing ever, um, and or you know complete my application, which I am not ready to do at all. Um, and so then I just go back. But if there was like an additional offer or additional few offers, like, hey, watch our you know watch a highlight reel from uh, you know the class of 2020 or whatever it might be, I might, I might actually click on that. And that insight would be helpful to you as an enrollment manager to understand that, oh, okay, like Zach, he's not quite ready to, to apply, but he is interested in learning more about our campus offerings or, or student life and, and whatnot. So 100% agree with you that like, we need to be looking at what people are actually clicking on. And from an email standpoint, one of the hardest things, or even from a texting standpoint, is there's typically only like one, maybe two offers in each communication. And they're a little bit more focused on the decision stage, right? More more, more often than not. So if you, even if you just, if you, even if you just changed up your confos and included two or three additional links to stuff that wasn't so focused on submitting an application or having a conversation with an admissions counselor, like it'd be very interesting to understand who that audience is, like who's clicking on that stuff that's in the top, you know, mid funnel sort of range. And how do we think about nurturing them differently? Yep. I, I like it. 
Um, so if we um, talk personas for yeah. a bit, just for a few minutes, what are some of the key elements you like to include when you're building out personas? Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good question. So I have, so we're, I'm sorry, I'm like segueing in this is, you know, I feel like we're a little bit all over the place, but we wanted to hit on this quickly. And I, you know, those, we talked a little bit about, um, web stuff. We talked about reacting to emails and things and, and other forms, but let, let, let I want to be sure we talk about the, you know, the psycho demographic piece of this, um, yeah, of personalization. So this is controversial for sure. <laughs> um, but like, I, I have a very complicated relationship um, with personas because, because I, I think uh. in, 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 in high, like the way that the reality is the way that we are living today um, and the data that we have access to, again, not every school has access to all of these tools that we're talking about. And, and I want to respect that. Um, but the tools that are available right now, right? Like make it such that we can get incredible. Now, actually Apple's iOS 14 update uh, will screw with this a little bit, but like we can get incredible insight into the digital footprint of an individual, right? Like so much so that like, depending on how we've set things up and, and the various, you know, queries that we've written and the way that we can segment context in our CRM, like we can get remarkable insight just based off of what people are actually doing, uh, let alone like what they say about themselves. Um, so that's a tangent actually, and I don't wanna go too deep into that. We should have a whole conversation just about that because it's an interesting topic. But when it comes to actual personas, I think personas are, are, hel are a helpful framework. I think the, one of the challenges is that some schools take it to, take them too literally. Like personas are not meant to actually be people. Like it's not, you, you, you shouldn't have like 20 personas for each of your majors or programs, right? And I think one of the hard things, at least in my experience with developing these personas, is that there are two extremes. One is either people want to create 10 different personas um, because there's, they're thinking of a student that doesn't fit these other categories and they want to go do that. Um, or they have one persona um, and, and and then it's like, oh, well, you know, this is the kind of person that is interested in this in this particular program. And I, I think for so many reasons, like the way that the world is shifting and um, just just the the demographics, quite, quite frankly, that are sort of changing in, in higher education. Like, I think that personas are helpful if you really have no idea. Like it, personas are helpful if you're launching a brand new program. Like if you if you are like, hey, you know what? We have done research. We've identified this particular population of people needs, let, let's say like a, a degree completion program. I think then that makes sense. But for most of us, once, once you understand, like especially if you're at the undergraduate level, like your personas are less program and major specific, right? And and they're just they're they're more general than that. Um, and so, what am I saying? What I'm saying is that if you genuinely don't have a good sense for how to communicate differently, depending on the populations that your school is is communicating with then yes, walk through a persona exercise. Like it can be a good team building kind of experience, making sure everyone's just on the same page about the different entry points that folks are coming into as they're communicating with, with your admissions team. But for most of us, I, I feel like that, that understanding is already there, which then leads us to, okay, how do we go about effectively using the resources that we do have to personalize the 
enrollment journey down to the individual uh, student as close as humanly possible. So rather than spending tons of time thinking about, okay, does, you know, Mickey fall into persona A or persona B category? Oh, and this is how we, you know, this is how we communicate with folks in persona A versus this is how we communicate with folks in persona B. I would rather just be able to leverage technology so that we understand that, oh, hey, you know, Mickey likes to be texted and he likes to, um, he likes to, what he's most interested in is sort of our, the athletics offerings at our school. Let's just talk to Mickey about those things. That's not really persona segmentation. Like not really that that's a little bit more interest segmentation, right? Which again has a bearing on persona development, but traditionally persona development is mostly demographics with a little bit of psychographics, uh, 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 you know, sprinkled in. I think that the future is we as enrollment managers need to hyper-personalize the admissions journey down to the individual prospect. And the only way that we're going to be able to do that is by understanding not what Mickey is saying to us, but what Mickey is actually doing on our website, on our content. And the marriage of those two insights, that's what's going to determine how we should communicate with him. So that was a big soapbox moment. I don't know if any of that uh, really made sense, but that's my that's my thinking on on personas. So I don't disagree with the where it will be. Where I where I struggle is how do you get from the where we are now, which is not two personas, to that level. And to me, the bridge between the two deals with personas. Uh, because it starts to change the way you think and talk and communicate and build communications. Yeah. Uh, so that when you are able to get to that next level, um, you know, that to me, that's jumping from 101 to 401. And we struggle doing that. Yeah. And, and, and how, and what can we do in the meantime? Um, and that's get to 201 and 301. And I think that's where the personas come into play. And I agree with you. You know, I, 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 I'm sure I've said this before. I mean, I used personas before I even knew what personas were um, 10, 11 years, 12, 13 years ago now. Um, and I just called them buckets. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I knew and, and I had non-traditional students degree completion program that you referenced. We had five buckets uh, and our buckets were based on um the students outside of classroom life and what was going on with them and their rationale for choosing to enroll and complete their degree. Um, and we, not academic program. It was, it was, you know, the glass ceiling person. It was, um, the person who wanted to set an example for their children. Um, uh, I don't remember all, all five, yeah. but you know, that's, that's kind of what we created. And, and we use that, not to necessarily create unique communications, but we use it to tailor the broad communication we wanted to that person of why that why what we were communicating at that moment in time was relevant to you as the glass ceiling person versus to you wants to set, set an example. Yeah. Um, or to sometimes pivot, you know, if you're setting the example versus the glass ceiling, glass ceiling person's caring much more about um, speed with which they can complete. The setting the example person may not care as much about that, may want to have a little bit more support um, and ensure that they will have that type of support to get them through the program. And how do we, you know, change order of communication so that if you want the support, how does you, how, if once we know that, how do we start off with that? Um, and if you're a glass ceiling, how do we start off with speed? Um, those types of things. <clears throat> and yeah. so that was a lot about 
how we were doing it. And again, that was 14 years ago and it was yeah. incredibly manual. Like I didn't have a tool that could do that. I mean, I'm not saying it didn't exist. I just didn't have it. Yeah. Um, so it was very manual. Um, but um, I don't want to say life altering. The results were phenomenal from it. Uh, and so I know the power of it and it can still work today. It's just more complex because a, it's easier to build uh, with technology and B not a lot should be more schools using that type of strategy, but when more do use it, um, then th that makes it even more important to be sure that what you're saying is relevant and connects at the right time. Yeah. And, and again, I guess as I'm thinking about this more too, what I'm really getting after is I think folks spend too much time thinking about differences in how to approach communications from like a messaging standpoint um, and not enough about channel segmentation, right? And like, and, and understanding that like we more or less like every student um, at least at the undergraduate level is going to have the same questions at some point in their journey. Um, now, again, the things that they, the amount of time that they spend wrestling with each question and the amount of input that they might need and the amount of help and guidance they might need, you know, understanding each component of the admissions process is, is different and that varies. But I think schools spend too much time like obsessing over differentiation in like uh, tone and style with their emails. Uh, and again, it's, it is mostly emails still, as opposed to thinking about like, we can understand from a data, uh, from a technology standpoint with our CRMs or marketing automation platforms, whatever tools we might be using, like how folks are or, or aren't responding to our, our communications. I feel like where there's room for leaders in the space to really emerge in the spirit of like tailoring uh, the tailoring the enrollment journey down to the individual individual prospect is to actually start first with like channel segmentation, right? Like the amount of folks, the amount of prospective students today that are messaging college, like college in university, like brand pages on social media, specifically Instagram, even TikTok now, even, I mean, Facebook still is, is remarkable. Like people are getting inquiry, like these, these marketing communication managers that are managing these social media profiles are getting questions like, Hey, uh, just checking in. Could any way you can let me know what my like application status is or, Hey, I'm wondering like, what is the admissions deadline again? Like the prospect doesn't understand that in, within the context of the university, the people managing these social media profiles are not the same people that are managing their applications, right? And yet, like, these sorts of inquiries are just growing exponentially. These sorts of communications via social in particular are skyrocketing. And I and we from I was talking to several folks who work in um, on both the marketing front and the admissions front, and they were just talking about how, yeah, the number of inquiries that are coming from social has just skyrocketed, and folks don't, like, marketing admissions don't know what to do. Like, they, they, there's not, like, a clear process. So what they say is, hey, here's a link to our application page. Here you go, right? And then they call it a day. And yet, like, that's a, that's a prime opportunity to put your admissions counselor in front of that person and have a conversation, right, over chat or over text, whatever it might be. So I feel like, in the world that we're living in today, because of the information that we do have access to, if we can start with like a channel specific strategy, communication channel specific strategy, and focus on that before we focus on sort of like tailoring our email marketing messages to each uh, each persona group, because again, a lot of the time, the, CR, the CRMs that we're doing aren't 
that information isn't stored there or isn't stored there easily, as easily as it should be. Um, so instead, focus time and energy on channel differentiation. I think that that's what I'm saying folks should start with today. Okay. Well, so, you've said it. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I might get I might get uh, torn up on social media for this, but like, if I was leading an enrollment management team right now, that's that's where I would put my resources. I would say, okay, Mickey, you're gonna man you're you're gonna work with marketing, and you're gonna man all the communications of, that are coming in through our social channels about admissions. Like that's on you, and your your like job is to follow up, chat with chat with those students that are coming into the door. Zach, like you're gonna focus on email. You know, so and so, you're gonna go focus on blah. And if you only have one person to help you out, um, then I'm sorry, but. Um, that's going to be, that's going to, they're going to be really, really, really busy, but I don't know that that's, that's where I think you get the most bang for your buck right now. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, I think that's where we should pause. I think we've given out multiple ideas here. Um, large scale, small scale, um, some that can be implemented quickly, some that require more thought and strategy, uh, before implementing, but I think we've got a, a good group here. Um, and I'm happy we were able to have this conversation. Uh, I'm hopeful we can take a few more of these topics uh, in the coming weeks and do that. Sounds like a plan. And um, should we tell them about our, our game plan for uh, the summer, Mickey? You ready to drop that bomb? I think we should drop that bomb. You should drop it. Good. Well, you know, the good thing is when you re- when you drop that in an episode like this, then you, you kind of do it. <laughs> yes, it kind of forces your hand uh, to ensure that it happens. And I that that's why I say yes. Let's drop that bomb because it forces the hand. Uh, so we're we I'm we're going to kind of do what we did here uh, yeah. today and get and and be hyper focused for several weeks at a time. And it's part of our summer series. Um, so, uh, I guess we, we're good with the name, right? We can, we can share the name. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, uh, spring's getting ready to occur. We got graduation coming up for a lot of folks in the next one to three weeks. Uh, and then we move into summer. So we want you to tune in and join us for summer sessions. Yes. Um, we're going to have a series of hyper-focused, um, almost blend between this type of conversation slash webinar type where we really dive in and and give our view and some tips on how to implement specific strategies. We're going to do some recruitment. We're going to do some marketing and blend them together. Um, And I'm really excited for this, Zach. It's um, it'll be, uh, I think it'll make for a great summer and gives folks lots of reason to tune in even when you're on vacation. Couldn't agree more. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be much more tactical than some of our other musings, um, which will be a good challenge for for both of us. Um, Mickey, as always, thank you so much for your time, sir. And we'll see you next week. Thank you, Zach. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Hey friends, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Fanatical Fridays with Mickey Baines. If you have an idea for a topic you think we should cover on this show or riff on, please feel free to reach out directly to me at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org, and I will bring it up with Mickey, and we will chat about it on an upcoming episode. So again, that's Zach, Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org, and reach out if you have questions, comments, thoughts, ideas for things that we should be talking about. All right, guys, take care, and we'll see you next week.